Hello, everybody. Dr. Ron Darrup again with Mind Shock the Endless Question, our podcast coming at you with shocking new ideas about the mind. The mind is an energy field which transcends the physical brain. As you might recall, I started at NASA many years ago. I was 17 years old in a student program from the University of Maryland. I was majoring in math and physics. By 19 years old, I came across an incredible idea of looking for ways to integrate all the fields of psychology with math and physics. I came up with a theory called quantum field psychology, which was published a number of years ago. Then we got into the film business to make movies about this to help educate the world about these new ideas. In any case, our podcast is about all these discoveries. We have more stuff coming at you every week or maybe twice a week as we can create them. Today, we want to talk about the evolution of consciousness. We're often told about how evolution involves Darwinian theory and how physical forms have changed throughout the the errors and so forth, and there's some truth to that. But the real key, we think, is the evolution of consciousness or conscious states from a lower state to a higher state that all of us have a great future, a great destiny to evolve into. In other words, our conscious minds right now are much more of a primitive state of focus and that what's ahead of us is absolutely incredible. But first, some more background. Let's talk about, think about how what Einstein said was that, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. So if there are certain laws of the universe, which are divine laws, we need to find out and discover what those are. What are the great secrets of the universe, which incorporate physics and mathematics and psychology and philosophy, all which are subsets of those much higher level thoughts. Think about Le, Pen- Le Penseur, the, the thinker by Rodin, a great statue made in 1904 about a man deep in thought, meditating upon who we are, why we're here, what we're doing perhaps questions we often ask ourselves. In fact, since the beginning of time, humankind has asked exactly that. Who are we? Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? There are many theories given over time, but the vast majority of those don't really fully answer the questions, do they? There are many philosophical points of view given by various religions, universities, governments, thinkers, philosophers, but none of them quite meet the test of time and answer all the questions for us. There's an old story which kind of illustrates this. There are three missionaries who traveled to India in the 1700s. And these guys traveled around the country. You know, they went from one part of India to another, preaching and teaching about their thoughts and so forth, trying to spread the gospel about their beliefs, speaking to many of the different sects there, Hindu and Buddhist and so forth, trying to spread their knowledge. And after many months, they came to this one village on their last day, and they were to this little old man who had a long gray beard and long gray hair, who was rumored to be well over 100 years old. They spoke to him for a while and explained their point of view. He was very kind and very polite. And at the end of their, their speeches and so forth, he said, well, thank you, gentlemen, very much. Really appreciate your insight. So three missionaries jumped on their sail ship, their sailboat. Well, not a boat, but a huge ship, you know, three-mast schooner. And they're sailing away from the shore. And suddenly the captain yells out, look, look. Behind you. So three scientists spin around. They're in the stern of the ship. They look back towards the shore and they see this little old man jumping across the waves, skipping over the waves. And suddenly he leaps up into the air 30 feet high and lands in the stern of the ship. And these these three missionaries and the rest of the crew are speechless. The old man leans over and he says, uh, if, you, if you please, gentlemen, please explain to me the last point of what you meant by illumination. So... These three, of course, were shocked. And the point is that there are many theories in the world, many of which much, might be much more advanced than ours, 
We tend to think that in the Western world, we have the answers. We're the forefront of knowledge. In fact, maybe we're not. Maybe there's far more to it. There's far deeper secrets to be unveiled. So it takes an analysis of fields in, in great depth to look at all the variables of any given field of study and compare them to other fields of study to come up with new and creative answers. This is called being a polymath. A polymath is someone who does that. They study several fields very intensively to find the secrets of that field and then kind of cross-pollinate or apply those theories to other fields. Now, Dr. Thomas Young was such a person way back in 1801. He was a medical doctor in England. He was researching math and physics and how it applied to the medical world and various medical phenomena. He came across the idea of experimenting with light People had argued for centuries, even by that point, about did light travel through space in waveform or did it travel as particles? So he created what's called the double slit experiment in 1801, whereby diffraction, the way light diffracted around corners and so forth of these slits he'd created just from sunlight, he showed that light travels in waveform. This was momentous. He gave a presentation in 1803 to the Royal Academy of Science in England and shocked a lot of people. Other researchers opined, gave the opinion that light travels through space as waves and interacts with matter as particles. That is now more the prevailing theory. Well, one of the ideas that struck me in 1969, it was November of 1969, I came home from NASA. It was a cold November night, the wind was howling outside. I walked up into my room in Hagerstown Hall. Some of you might know about that. I walked to my room, and I asked him a momentous question, what if you could explain the major theories of psychology with the basic principles of mathematics, such as topological mathematics and quantum physics. And then I was hit by a thunderbolt. A tsunami of ideas almost knocked me over and I saw waves of energy projecting from the mind through space, very much like Thomas, Thomas Young's experiment, where thought energy travels through space, leaving the mind as waveform and interacts with matter as particles. Well, I told various folks about this and I got you know, kind of a, a lot of ribbing from it one scientist at NASA said, you should go live in California. A bunch of others laughed at me and said, you're really nuts, man. What are you talking about? Anyway, I told one great scientist at NASA, Dr. Isidore Adler, really brilliant guy. Like he's the father of a friend of mine, Samuel Adler, became a great psychiatrist up in Maryland, working at the university. And Isidore Adler was a great physicist from City College in New York. I told Dr. Adler about my idea. He kind of looked at me and studied me for a moment. He says, you know what? You should go research that. And he spun up on his heel and whisked down the hall into his office. So I did. For the last 50 years, actually more than 50 years, I've been researching this very concept. Now, if we do a polymath analysis and apply and look at a wide range of fields from physics and metaphysics and Eastern and Western philosophies and all the psychologies, we find the following. There are three major points of view which exist about the question of life after death. When we start talking about the mind as energy, this implies perhaps that we are spiritual beings if the mind truly transcends the physical brain, it does not impute that we are perhaps spiritual beings. And that this can be researched scientifically. The first assumption or thought about life after death is that there is nothing after death. We return to dust, period. Now, some people truly believe this and are adamant about that. Very st firmly, staunchly believe there's nothing past this world. It's all nonsense. So get all you can now. Go out and conquer the world grab all the things you can, build your castles of sand upon the shore, you know, buy cars, buy houses, go into riotous living, et cetera, et cetera. All of which, of course, can become self-destructive. The next approach or theory is that we live one life and then we go to heaven or hell for all eternity. 
So we have one chance only to make it or break it forever. So we come into the world, we have one chance, depending upon what we do, what we think, what we feel, how we behave, to spend all eternity afterwards in a heavenly place of infinite reward, or we go to hell and experience unbelievable misery and suffering based upon one life, one chance, one set of experiences. Now, my question is, would a good and loving God do that? Because some folks are born into great wealth. Some people are get, get a great education. They make it happen themselves or it's given to them. Others have almost no education. Some are born into broken homes. Some are born into situations where they're horribly abused, verbally, emotionally, physically, sexually, whatever. They're horribly abused, which in profoundly affects their state of consciousness. So they have a lot more to overcome. Others are born into criminal families. We're raised with criminal concepts. We start committing criminal actions at a young age. Others get into drug and alcohol abuse. and They get addicted to those or to other types of substances because of the abuse and neglect they go through in childhood. Many have post-traumatic stress from wars they've been in, abuse they've been in, accidents and so forth. So would a good and loving God give you just one chance or is there more to it? Another theory, the third theory is that we have many lives to learn many perspectives, but there still might well be a limit to how many lives we might have because there are time limits to all this. There's a book of Jasher, J-A-S-H-E-R, which supposedly was excised from the Bible in 325 AD by Constantine the emperor, who called together a council of clergy at that time, ecclesiastical experts, to create a new Bible, to create the Roman Catholic Church. And the book of Jasher supposedly was taken out because it talked much more directly about reincarnation. You know, three-fourths of people in the world believe in reincarnation, but many folks in the West do not because it has not been emphasized by various religions. There might well be control issues that go into that. In any case, the Greeks, Egyptians, and others had ideas of immortality going back thousands of years ago. So these ideas have been around for a long time. Therefore, if it is true that we have many incarnations and we must learn all we can, then every life must be spent learning to avoid needless, endless more incarnations. In other words, if we make a lot of mistakes, we might well pay karmic debt and then have to be reincarnated again and again and again to overcome that, to reach a certain state of consciousness. Remember, we're talking about the evolution of consciousness. How do we get to those higher states? What does it take to evolve to those positions? Now, Plato believed in a world soul and believed the individual soul can recover knowledge from the divine for inspiration. We'll speak more about this later in terms of quantum field psychology, our theory. The idea of part of it is that you can download information from an infinite mind or a much greater mind, an overmind, a higher mind, down into the ego mind, the conscious mind, to obtain direct information. Many folks through history have famously done this. For example, Nikolai Tesla, the brilliant physicist and inventor, would go into states of reverie, <clears throat> pardon me, and meditation, where you get these profound ideas about how the universe worked. He could, for example, visualize a new invention and see it in great detail and run a new motor, for example, in his mind's eye and see it run perfectly for months and observe the wear and tear upon the machinery the friction from the friction and then build the actual machine and it would work perfectly the way he'd visualized it. Another person who directly read these higher ideas was Mozart, who'd go into a state of deep concentration or simply visualize the world from that abstract world of thought. He could write an entire symphony of music writing the music for all the instruments. Think about that, folks, how complicated that is. You see that, folks, can you hear? Can't you hear that? 
you'd be hearing what's called the music of the spheres or the music of the, of the universe. In other words, there's great and profound music at higher levels, which when you tune your mind, you can hear that. That's how musicians get their inspiration in many cases. In any case, he would write down an entire symphony, all the music for every instrument. That is an amazing accomplishment. Few, few musicians can do that. They do it more by trial and error. In any case, in quantum field psychology, we discuss, again, you can download infinite information from a higher source within into the conscious mind. That this is, a we think, a scientific process, which we can learn to develop. Now, according to a number of sources, some 12,000 years ago, pre-enlightened teachers wandered the earth, spreading knowledge of higher concepts. These folks were called the Siddhas, who were profoundly enlightened individuals, who could perform the miracles, allegedly, that were performed by Christ, Moses, Buddha, Krishna, these types of individuals who were in a much higher state of consciousness, of energy, and could do incredible things upon earth. And that other, sto other stories, in fact, say that some 20,000 years ago and before, this was very common, that many, many people could do these feats, and that what's happened is that mankind has lost the way. So when we left the Garden of Eden, and also the story of the prodigal son, or about humankind having fallen from a higher state of consciousness, known as heaven, a more enlightened state, down into a much more corrupted state of ego and confusion driven by the lower emotions. In any case, the Siddhas were trying to bring this back. 20,000 years ago, a man fell from that grace, as it were. And 12,000 years ago, the Siddhas were trying to bring back and train many people. But again, many were corrupted by the ego because the knowledge they obtained gave them great knowledge over other people. By obtaining spiritual knowledge, they could enslave other people and use them and control them, which is totally inappropriate and, of course, has profound karmic debt coming back to those who do that. Now, others claim that Osiris, you might have heard the name of Osiris from Egypt, lived 45,000 years ago in Atlantis and brought that civilization to great heights, that he was able to train and teach many people to think and function on a much higher plane of existence. But then again, the ego became corrupted. Everything fell apart and Atlantis sank because people got into ego battles, ego trips, wars broke out. People fell into the lower mind, the ego mind, controlled by anger, fear, delusion, and so forth. And the effects were, of course, profound. Now, Osiris was later deified by the Egyptians some 5,000 years ago and was made into a god, the sun god, or Ra, we're told. So very often these avatars come into the world. They have great knowledge to share. But they say, do not worship me. Worship he who sent me. Worship the higher power. Worship the divine power. Do not worship me. I am simply a conduit for those ideas. Many avatars have said really the same thing. But many of them have been worshipped and deified. This is not what they wanted or taught. Egos can be consumed with a need for power and control over others and will often abuse that power to the detriment of all. Remember, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. One example of this is Henry VIII in the early 1500s in England, who became an absolute tyrant, a monarch who allegedly killed some 57,000 of his own people, as well as those killed in various wars with Spain and France and the Papal States. So driven by his lower emotions, by his lower mind, his ego, he misused and abused his power profoundly, slaughtered many people, exacted absolute tyranny over his people, which contributed to the later Reformation evolving and the Renaissance. And it also resulted in many people leaving Europe 
fleeing to America, Canada, somewhere in the new world to create new countries and new spaces where they're not enslaved and controlled by others. So some egos have made themselves rulers over kingdoms, indulging riches in the material world. This still goes on today. We see all over the world that many people want to be rulers. They want to be great powers. They get enslaved by the ego and the power takes over. And said that the greatest addiction is not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not money, but rather it is power. And many abuse the powers entrusted to them, which then create massive karmic debt for themselves and others. So those who spend their lives harming others, doing great damage, will pay massive karmic debt for it. Getting back to the incarnation concept, they'll pay for it many, many lives over. But what if they do so many acts of evil, it can't be paid back. Other theorists have said that perhaps their souls are then dissolved or taken apart where they can no longer reincarnate. So they no longer exist because they've done too much damage. It cannot be paid back or earned back. In fact, to hold on to their power, many faiths and religions over time have become repressive to all who thought differently. For example, we know about the beheadings, people burned at stake as witches and so forth, as heretics throughout the ages who disagree with the prevailing power to be. So there have been many, many repressive regimes and a wide range of abuses over the centuries and the millennia on Earth as humankind has been enslaved by tribal thinking rather than realizing we are something much greater. And we talked about early on, we have something much greater inside us. We have great powers inside us. We become diluted by the external world. Now, others might also retain anger and frustration at those who have wronged them. So they might actually think about karma. Some will actually pray for karma to harm those who hurt them. But it's best not to do that, but rather pray for those, hope for those, wish well for those who have harmed you, to try to stand beyond it. So today, folks, we're going to wrap up part one of the evolution of consciousness. We'll talk more about this in part two. Many things to think about here. Again, you can find our, our books and films very readily. The Endless Question, our two-hour documentary, is on Amazon Prime. It's free on Amazon Prime. That's The Endless Question. It's a film about quantum field psychology. We interview many of the great experts in the world about this and also refer to Nikolai Tesla's concepts, as well as we explain very simply some of the basic ideas of quantum field psychology to make it simple. The film is also available now on Tubi, the platform. It's also on Flickster and Apple TV with many more to come. Our books are available on Amazon. You can find Eight Days of Creative Power, which is a book about different approaches to unleashing your creative abilities within based upon thoughts, emotions, and behavior. That book was based upon research I did at the University of Maryland back when I was in graduate school and put into a book form later. It has three primary approaches to stimulate your creative thinking. The next book is The Inner Manager, which is a short course itself in creative thinking and mind development, and the powers of your mind, how to develop your concentration, your creativity, your imagination, how to help unleash what's inside of you. Because we often spend our entire lives in quiet desperation and don't realize we have these vast powers inside. And this is a true tragedy, folks. It's the greatest tragedy of the world, spending our lives not knowing what we're fully capable of. The next book is called I Love You, God, which is a book of aphorisms or statements about how to connect your conscious mind to your higher mind, your superconscious mind, the divine mind inside all of us, the divine spark that we all have. By speaking those aphorisms every day, we help reinforce that connection. The next book is Quantum Field Psychology, 
which I wrote in 2004 while in the Alps in Aviano, Italy. I was teaching college for the military there and had taught some 15 courses in psychology and sat down in April and wrote the book, inspired by that beautiful setting, and pulled together all 15 courses, plus the Eastern and Western philosophies, plus all the concepts of mathematics and physics that went into it, to put together the book, Quantum Field Psychology. I then went back to film school later on, learned how to make films. Also got a secondary master's degree, or the equivalent thereof, in screenwriting, to write screenplays and so forth. Our first film is called Paradise Found 2015. That is on Amazon as well. It's also on, actually, I think that one's on, is there, yeah, that one's on YouTube. That one you can see on YouTube. And the film, The Endless Question, is on Amazon Prime, and Tubi, and Flickster, and Apple TV, and many more to come, I'm told. So, folks, please check those out. Start thinking about the fact that we have vast, vast creative capabilities inside us. We have far more insights we're capable of than we have ever imagined. We have super mind. We have super learning, super creativity. We can be super beings, but we must unleash those shutters on the mind. We must throw off those shutters and open up. We're sitting here waiting for us, waiting to come in, waiting to connect with us. A lot of folks have these feelings at times, just something within. There's, there's like a feeling of deja vu. Of they've known something. There's something much greater wanting to come out. Well, that's inside all of us. We all have vast, vast capabilities. We're just now beginning to rediscover and relearn. So please tune in next time to Mind Shock. The endless question for more information about this. This is going to reveal information as it comes out and research around the world is going on. We have more papers coming out, more books coming out about this. Folks, looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks very much. Take care. Over now for now, Dr. Ron Dalrymple. Take care. Bye-bye.